shining a light on podcasts and videos that have caught our attention. The Spotlight with Jen Spiker. Weekdays on Vision and on demand in the free Vision Christian Media app. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Well, something known as the latest Q Commons is happening tomorrow night in Sydney. Q Commons is described as a live learning experience that challenges attendees to stay curious, think well and advance good in their communities. In the Theatre Ed at the Parliament of New South Wales in Macquarie Street in Sydney, they'll have three speakers from Australia and three international speakers streaming in from around the world addressing the national and international challenges that we're facing. Well, the MC for the evening is Stephen O'Doherty. He's the CEO of Christian Schools Australia and has been since the inception of that organisation back in 2002. He took up that position after careers in broadcast journalism and in politics. Stephen served as a frontbencher in two successive New South Wales parliaments in the 1990s. He's become a uh, Christian. He became a Christian uh, in that time uh, during his radio career in the 1980s and from that time has committed his personal and professional life to serving God. His mission statement verse is Ephesians 4.1, live a life worthy of the calling you have received. And Stephen O'Doherty joining us as our guest here on 2020. Hello Stephen, welcome along. Oh, it's good to be back with you Neil, hello. Stephen, uh, this is an exciting uh, opportunity to talk to you. We'll get an update on all sorts of different uh, things that you're involved in, but this Q Commons that uh, I've been talking about uh, here in the Uh, lead up to our conversation today. This is something that's catching on in a fairly significant way and gives an opportunity for some of the best communicators from around the world to be here in events here in Australia and opportunities for uh, for increase into the future into various other contexts as well. But tell us all about Q Commons and your involvement. Well, it's interesting, isn't it? It's an international movement that um, started really in the United States um, through uh, the evangelical network there. And it's the chance to try to raise issues of faith in the context of our, you know, the cultural and business and personal discussions going on around the world today. So it has a format where there are three international speakers and then interspersed into that are local speakers. And there have been instances of this um, elsewhere around Australia as well. I know there's a Brisbane Q Commons. We're doing the Sydney Q Commons uh, tomorrow night. Um, I must make sure I get there. <laughs> it is tomorrow, yeah, Wednesday. Um, and and you find these events are taking place all around the world. It's an opportunity for Christians to come together and think and talk about uh, the issues that are facing us as Christians trying to impact culture in our society today. Well, interestingly, Stephen, the changing face of technology means that we have access to leaders, culture makers from everywhere now. And uh, the opportunity like this, and, you know, we're all honoured to those who've put together this Q Commons because the idea of engaging the best communicators, the best insightful philosophers and the likes of Ravi Zacharias, who listeners to this program are very familiar with because of his Just Thinking program that airs uh, during 2020. It'll be on in a couple of hours' time. But uh, the opportunity for people to access the best thinkers uh, to talk through the biggest issues. Well, that's right. Gabe Lyons is the guy who um, has put this together, and he's, he's based in uh, Nashville. Um, and we visited with his team last time I was there uh, last year. And 
their idea is to bring these thinkers to bear in a way that then precipitates, sparks other people locally to think about it. So on Wednesday night, tomorrow night, for instance, Ravi Zacharias will talk about what it is to, um, to bring your faith into the workplace, um, what it is to bring your faith into family life or community life or what, whatever you're doing in your own neighbourhood and what are the things that you need to guard against when you're doing that, it's very easy for us to try to accommodate, as Christians, to accommodate those around us. But, you know, we're called to stand up for the truth. So what is the truth? And how does it impact on the, um, the issues that we're facing as a community today? And then how do we, how do we um, bring the truth into a workplace in a way that's going to be effective without actually turning people away from the gospel? I, I think, Neil, we're all agreed, I hope we are, that in engaging culture, the first thing we're trying to do is to point people to the good news, the good news of Jesus Christ. There's, there are a lot of uses of the word evangelical around the world today, and as a, as a media guy, you know, you, you'll know as much as anyone um, how it's often now used as a derogatory term by people in um, secular media, uh, but evangel just means the good news. I was reading somewhere the other day that uh, the person who who, who ran um, the first marathon uh, was an evangelist. He was he was bringing news of the battle. Um, the you know good news was what was delivered by by messengers on foot. Today the good news can be delivered in a lot of ways, including radio, Twitter, Facebook, whatever. So to be an evangelist is to be someone who was to be to be evangelical is to be a people who want to bring the good news of Jesus Christ, the greatest news of all, to bear when people are thinking about what it is to be human. So Ravi Zacharias will set up that conversation on Wednesday night for us, and then we've got um, a series of local and international speakers talking about a number of issues, including one that I think you and your listeners might be interested in, and that is um, Ross Douthat, who is one of the um, editorial writers um, for the uh, New York Times, he's asking, has America lost its place of leadership in the world? Now, in the context of an American election, which is, I think, la largely about America waking up to the reality of this question, that's going to be a really fascinating question to hear Ross Douthat talk about it and then have some of our audience uh, in Sydney on this occasion to bring their perspective. Ross Douthat, he's been writing a lot about the conservative movement in the United States. And mm. uh, there is an, a sense, isn't there, and you can reflect on this for us, Stephen, that conservative movements, and we can reflect on our own in Australia and uh, what's happening in a number of contexts politically around the world, uh, conservatives are under fire. Uh, there's a lot of name-calling goes on and uh, conservative uh, cons the Conservatives don't necessarily feel the same strength that they have in past times. No, that's quite right. And we've got to... I mean, here's a, here is exactly the spot where you ask the question, um, what, does, what does the good news have to do with a Conservative political agenda? You know, are they the same thing? Are they different? Do they cross over? Um, what is the role of Christians who go into politics, for instance? Uh, is their role to bring um, a, a sense of godly order to things, or is it more than that? Is it a, is it a, is it a question of enacting laws that um, will force even non-believers to to comply with a with a godly way of doing things? Um, 
as, as one who is in that position, these are the questions that thinking Christians will ask if they go into politics. But to come back to your question, so in the United States, sometimes the conservative agenda is held up as being the only true Christian agenda, and I guess it's worth thinking about whether that's right. Ross Douthat, for instance, is asking questions like, um, if America is the world's policeman, if America is uh, ch charged with being the only superpower, um, and you can, you can make an argument that, that America is the only real superpower, um, Russia may have given up the claim to that, China may be an emerging superpower, um, but if America still is the only um, power with global influence, what does that mean? And now here's a, here's a question. Um, why is it that Donald Trump is basically framing his foreign policy around America retreating from some of its engagements and alliances in a way that will see it kind of shrinking back within its own borders? What does that mean for the world and what does it mean for Australia? A couple of articles, quite fascinatingly, in the Fairfax Press have raised that very question in the last two days. And it would appear that he's making that argument based on economics and saying it's costing a lot of money for the US to be the policeman around the world. Mm. Uh, and yet what you're saying is these sorts of issues need to be aired as to what sort of moral responsibility nations have and what sort of contribution a conservative political agenda might bring to that, given that uh, oftentimes we talk about a conservative political agenda having its foundations in this evangelicalism, in this uh, biblical Christianity? Hmm. Uh, yes, and, and, and yet there is a sense, uh, I think, amongst many, that um, in the hands of a Western nation like the United States, or indeed, um, to a lesser extent, probably Australia, a number of people have said Christianity looks like, you know, what does that look like in 21st century, you know, the world? <laughs> uh, oh, yes, it looks like a Western democracy. And so the most Christian thing we can do is to go and impose Western democracy on another country. Well, we know from um, America's um, exercise of foreign policy uh, in the Middle East that that hasn't worked. Um, and, and there are countries where, you know, trying to impose a Western-style democracy just hasn't fitted, and it actually has, arguably, left those countries in a in a greater, with a greater problem. I'm not saying, therefore, that you wouldn't go in and try to remove a, a dictator, uh, for instance, but you've got to be careful that you haven't created a greater problem. And if, if you went in to remove a dictator based on shaky evidence, which we now know was the case with the weapons of mass destruction, um, which everybody at the time, including me, saw as a just war, um, has that made things better in the, in, in the Middle East? That's a, that's a reasonable question. But to come back to what you were asking, is it the case that we sometimes confuse evangelicalism as looking like Western democracy, something to be imposed on others who don't look like us. Is that the gospel of Jesus Christ? If not, is there another way of doing it? Mm. Well, let's come back to the lineup at Q Commons tomorrow night. We mentioned Ravi Zacharias, a world-renowned author and Christian apologist, and the sorts of issues, and you're touching on the types of things that no doubt will be touched on because there are all sorts of geopolitical 
challenges that the world is facing. Uh, the interesting one in the mix there, Stephen, is uh, you've got a, a Grammy Award winning hip hop artist, Lecrae, who's also going to be one of the speakers and uh, refers to himself as a social anthropologist. Now, it's an interesting one to be thinking of a musician or someone who's a hip hop artist uh, who's deeply immersed in wanting to see some level of social reform and the gospel going forward. Well, uh, why not? I mean, it, the um, hip-hop artists, whether you like their music or not, and uh, I'm going to confess to not being a huge hip-hop fan. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I can just imagine you now dressed up in uh, hip-hop gear. Yeah, you just no. keep imagining. <laughs> <laughs> I will if you will, Neil. Um, but they're the poets of our time, aren't they? To a certain generation, they have access and, uh, I mean, for me, that's been a key learning over many, many years in media, in politics, in education. You need to be in the channels where people are listening to you, and you've got to build the right to speak. Um, so if a hip-hop artist has built an audience with a message that um, comes straight back to the gospel, I, for one, think that's a really good thing. Now, he's got to use that channel well. But um, Lecrae's talk uh, is called The Art of Culture Making, and in that talk... He discusses this whole idea about what, what culture is. There's a key idea that, that, that forms the basis of the Q Commons community and, and others around, around this group. And there's a book by uh, Andy Crouch. Andy, as, as you know, is, is the editor of Christianity Today. Um, his argument is that Christians don't um, have their greatest impact by receiving and changing culture they have the greatest impact by making culture. Now, so, you know, there's a question, what is culture? Well, if culture is that set of expectations and um, everything from, um, you know, memes on Facebook through to popular television or music and hip-hop included, if that's what culture is, um, the zeitgeist, some people have called it, you know, the way we do things, the, the prevailing view, another word, way of putting that is the worldview, um, we are impacted by a worldly culture all the time. Our kids are growing up and they receive that culture um, simply by walking around, observing billboards, talking to their friends and listening to the radio. Our special guest is Stephen O'Doherty. We are talking about what is known as Q Commons. The latest Q Commons is happening tomorrow night in Sydney. Q Commons is described as a live learning experience that challenges attendees to stay curious, think well and advance good in their communities. It's going to be held at the Parliament of New South Wales tomorrow night. Three speakers from Australia and three international speakers streaming in from around the world addressing the national and international challenges that we're facing. Stephen O'Doherty, who is the CEO of Christian Schools Australia, he's been with that organisation since 2002. He's our guest this hour. We're talking about the speakers that are speaking at Q Commons and some of the concepts that they will be discussing. And uh, Stephen O'Doherty, as we talk about the uh, the list of speakers, uh, the lineup includes uh, Ravi Zacharias, world-renowned author and Christian apologist. We mentioned Lecrae, the Grammy award-winning hip-hop artist. Uh, Ross Duthat, who is the author and uh, political commentator from the United States, uh, uh, history with the New York Times. Uh, Dan Pignatelio, 
who's media and communications advisor. Barney Schwartz, who's the senior fellow at the Centre for Public Christianity, or one of the senior fellows at the Centre for Public Christianity. And Scott Sanders, CEO of what is known as Common Grace. So you have all of these minds, and they're addressing some of the issues of culture and politics, things that are going around the world. And just a couple of weeks out from the US election, I assume that people will be focusing in on the United States election, what that means for cultures around the world, what that means for cultures here in Australia. Uh, Things like uh, the way that Australia relates to the US could be very different depending on who wins the election in the US. Uh, These sorts of things, uh, uh, the US-Australia alliance, uh, these types of things are likely to come up in the conversation, Stephen. They are. One of the speakers, Ross Douthat, is is asking this very question. Has the U.S. forfeited its leadership role? I think his conclusion, by the way, is is that it's, it hasn't. Um, but I, you know, I, I'll be interested to see what our audience thinks of that. I I, um, I suspect that what's happening is that as global alliances shift, and as China emerges, and indeed they call this the Asian century. Uh, what the U.S. is coming to grips with is that it doesn't have the same influence as it used to have. And that's probably backwashing into questions about trade and other things that the U.S. is asking, and Donald Trump has actually been articulating in the context of this election. Um, Australia, Neil, since the 1980s, to my mind, has grappled with that question far more effectively than the United States, which has always been a little bit more isolationist in its outlook, I think. Um, so Australia has been poised right here at the edge of Asia, or you could, you could indeed say as part of Asia, to have massive influence in this, in, in this, uh, in this century. Um, I've just come back from Cambodia um, myself where I saw, and I go you know, fairly regularly working there with a non-government agency, Samaritan's Purse to build um, a better education future. It's just wonderful, wonderful work. Um, but you see the influence of every every time I go back, um, you see more and more Chinese investment. The Chinese Premier, for the first time ever, um, visited Cambodia while I was there just a month ago. And you can see what's happening in, in Asia as the power alliances shift. We've got to be poised to be part of that economically, politically, but spiritually, absolutely, we've got to be poised to be part of that. Did you notice, Neil, I'm sure you did, that the Chinese government was starting to crack down on the display of crosses in public yes. recently? Yes. And that even, you know, the mainstream media picked up on that, or the secular media picked up on that. So we ought to be asking ourselves as Christians, holding the good news of Jesus Christ, the evangel, uh, we need to be asking ourselves as Christians, what do we need to be doing to create new alliances or to work in different ways that will help us to continue to bring the gospel to the world when things are not going to work the way we thought they would work once upon a time. Our standard way of viewing the world, a kind of Western top-down democracy, is is probably not the way things are going to pan out during my children's lifetime. How do we respond so that we can be relevant in those cultures to keep bringing the good news to people to bring about real change? Interestingly, when we talk about geopolitical relationships and you talk about the shift, the changing nature of the environment, Stephen, 
many years ago, uh, there used to be, and uh, listeners will recall, and I'm interested in your reflection too, when we used to have uh, quite a high view of human rights and where there were human rights abuses that were happening in many nations, uh, we had a, a high moral view which uh, would be against uh, those nations that had uh, dreadful human rights records. Uh, of course, in a rise of secularism, uh, where everything now is apparently about economics and economic relationships and who we can have a trade relationship with. Uh, those sorts of issues of human rights have fallen to the wayside. And there is a sense, isn't there, as there is change, and as we think of nations like China and, uh, and some uh, 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 Southeast Asian nations and people that we are uh, in relationship in the United States, uh, those sorts of issues... Uh, need to perhaps uh, be something that is in the Christian thinking about how pressure is applied on our relationships. Your thoughts on 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 that type of uh, level of of ways that alliances might be uh, remade or enhanced in the coming times, Stephen? Yeah, well, I don't I don't think you do it by withdrawing aid, um, which the Australian government has toyed with. Yeah. Uh, you know, our record on foreign aid is not that great. Although, I mean, we do better than some, but it's not that great. The way I think it works best is when you rock up and say to people, and this is what we've been doing in education um, recently, you know, for some time, you, you say to people, how can I work with you? Not how can I work to you or at you or for you or how can I work with you? And I, I really kind of resonated with one of our friends from India. He's running a series of schools um, in, in, in typically impoverished circumstances in um, Calcutta and other places, and I was with him at a regional um, meeting, you know, a couple, about a year ago. And there were people from all around our region, including Indonesia and China and uh, India and Australia and New Zealand. And quite a few people, even around that table, were saying, "Oh yes, we can bring our program, and we can do this for you. We can, you know, do X for you." And and I said, "Well, hang on a minute. Let's ask our friends." what they want us to do. <laughs> so this beautiful man from India stood up and he said, I want you to come with me to the slums and help me to rescue girls. You know, I don't want you to come and paint my walls. I don't want you to come and do this or do that. I want you to come with me because I have, uh, in effect, I've earned the right to work in this community. I am this community. And I'm in there rescuing girls from impoverishment by running better education programs. I want you to come, don't come and tell me how to do it or what to do. Just come and help me. And my eyes were open to a, a much broader way of doing what we used to call mission or ministry. You know, it, it's that, it, I think that for me characterizes the way that our world is changing. We used to have a situation where, as I said earlier, the Western democracies brought in their template and just tried to remake the world in their, not necessarily in Christ's image, in their own image. But Christ, of all people, he was the one who walked with. So I think the 21st century is about walking with. And one of our speakers um, from a movement called Common Grace, Neil, uh, is um, a movement of something like, I think they've got 20, 20 plus thousand members in Australia now. And their objective is to find ways locally in your local community or internationally, globally, um, where you can walk as a follower of Jesus and just bring other people with you. Their, their passionate concern is for justice. Now, that goes directly to the heart of the human rights issue that you asked me about. 
we can't just come into another country and say you need, you know, we, we can we can thump the table at the United Nations, yes, of course, and we must. But the more effective way is to be working with those people in other countries to earn the right to speak into that culture because you're genuinely there to help. You're not just there to judge. It sounds like you're talking about the attitudes to the poor that Christian believers are going to need to have as this century continues to open up because while there can be the thumping of the table at the United Nations and advocacy on behalf of people who might be suffering at the hands of some uh, regimes that are, uh, are involved in things that we might describe as human rights abuses, uh, there's this other end where that missional nature of Christian believers is there to lend a helping hand to the poor, to draw alongside, to live amongst the poor and to bring the message of Christ into those circumstances, uh, something we perhaps need to reevaluate for the future, Stephen. I, I, yes, I, I thought that was the most effective aspect of Jesus' ministry, really, um, walking alongside people and meeting their needs. Um, and he taught his disciples the same. Go, go to the uh, towns and villages and tell them the kingdom of God is at hand. And then he preaches this whole series of um, stories about what the kingdom of God is like. So it's about bringing the reality of people focused on the kingdom of God, focused outside of themselves and what Jesus has done on the cross for everybody, not just for us, not just especially for people who look like us. You know, I talked to my friend um, Mike Gore, whose organization Open Open Doors is doing incredible work in in closed societies where the cost of following Jesus can you know can be absolutely life, death, torture the whole and how do you minister to those people you go there and you work with them you walk alongside them you help bring the touch of jesus to them Um, this is different perhaps from the way we may have construed our our role in the past and i suspect that's what um, people are going to be grappling with at this q commons event tomorrow night and in the case of the united states if their foreign policy if some people in the united states have thought that um, the best thing that they, you know, that following Jesus is about um, world domination at the end of a big uh, stick. Uh, that view is being rattled, and I was really quite, for a long time, I was, I was wondering where, in the midst of all of that, we were going to find a new way of bringing the gospel to people. Well, that's not the way. What's emerging for me now is this bigger picture of this walking alongside. And I see lots of people doing it in quiet ways uh, around the globe, and I I think it's marvellous. And then, Neil, when I see people doing that in their own communities, translate everything we've just said to a Year 9 student in a government high school. Hmm. How do they do that thing? Helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Stephen O'Doherty is our guest. He's going to be the MC at the Q Commons tomorrow night in Sydney. Six international speakers, six renowned Australian speakers, and grappling with the issues of what's going on with change around the world, grappling with issues to do with the gospel of Jesus and how it goes forth in the world. Uh, but not just on a, a shallow scale, but as you've been listening to our conversation, you'll know that the speakers, 
others, people like Ravi Zacharias, the world-renowned author and Christian apologist, uh, they're getting into deeper issues. Uh, Stephen, I imagine there's going to be some sort of Q&A opportunity too for people to ask questions of these speakers. Uh, how much opportunity is there for, uh, for that sort of engagement with uh, people like uh, Ravi Zacharias or Lecrae or uh, Ross Duthad? <laughs> Well, providing people stick to their time, okay. <laughs> time be, is always the as issue. Much as, we can, as much as we can fit in. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean, I think it's great, isn't it, to be part of a generation that's questioning this. So, uh, you think about equipping kids. I, I just before the break, I asked you, how does a year nine student, who uh, and and I love year nine students. You know, they're so concerned about the world. Um, I, I people say that teenagers today are self. Uh, self-obsessed well go on you know we live in the self-obsessed age but the ones that i know are actually concerned about the world around them they think deeply about these things maybe we as adults just don't know how to get them to open up about that but when you do they're concerned about the world they're concerned about people in third world countries they're concerned about their neighbors who are self-harming they're concerned about the culture that they're growing up in and now here's my question how do we equip that year nine student to engage the culture around him or her so that he can bring the reality of Jesus Christ who died for us all. How can, you know, how can he or she make a difference in his or her culture? And if we don't, as adults in their world, whether it's churches or whether it's youth leaders or whether it's maybe the Christian school they go to, if we don't equip those kids, we've not done our job properly. We're handing on the job of bringing the gospel uh, to the whole world, to these kids, within a very short space of time. And it's exciting for me to see how many of them actually do come out of their schools. And I see lots of kids from Christian schools. But I see them popping up all over the world doing these ministries where it's different from the way we constructed ministry in the 20th century. It's this walking alongside type of ministry, um, the sort of people who, who hooked up with Common Grace, um, one of the organizations that's supporting our uh, Q Commons tomorrow. It seems to me, Stephen, that there's an extra dimension that is going to be necessary that we all need to be thinking about. And it's not just what this message of the gospel is, how to articulate it. Uh, it's not just a matter of uh, of how we internalize that and understand that, the application of this wonderful grace from God to our own lives and appreciation of our salvation. But as we take to heart this missional nature, this uh, calling upon us to be part of the great co-mission, uh, going into all the world and preaching the gospel, that there is this extra dimension required of how we teach our young people today to adapt to all of the cultural changes that are sweeping the world right now. Uh, that in itself is a new skill that I think leaders are grappling with. How do we teach people to adapt? It's about living like Jesus lived, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I suspect. And sometimes you've got to look very closely at your own practices and say, all of these crusty calluses that I've built up around myself that protect me from the world that I work in or live in every day, um, if I'm using them as defense barriers, is that making me more or less able to engage my neighbor as a truth-teller? Uh, and I, this came through to me many, many years ago when, as a journalist in working in commercial radio, I became a Christian. And my first question was, oh, well, now do I have to leave my job as a commercial radio journalist, broadcaster, 
uh, and go and become a missionary in Africa or, you know, whatever it is you do. Go to study theology and pastor a church. You know, is that what Christians do? And the pastor of that church, wise, a very wise man, said, well, what are you now? I said, well, I'm a broadcaster. He said, well, continue to be a broadcaster. But just do that with the reality of the good news, you know, forming your personhood, becoming your worldview. And it's funny, since then, which is a long time ago, 30, 30 plus years ago, I've looked everywhere. I've, I've, I've had antenna up, Neil, for people who have a sense of vocation about their work. I consider it to be an incredible privilege to have been able to work in a number of different fields with a strong sense that it was a vocation to work in those fields, to not be a person who goes to work and says at the end of the day, well, the most I've achieved today is that I've brought home some money to feed my family and now I can do my ministry. If you're not doing ministry through your work, I feel for you, but I, I would like to say to that person, surely you are doing ministry at work when you care for the person next to you on the production line, when you're the one who doesn't bully or use bad language, or when you're the one who's ethical when everybody else is being unethical. You see the point I'm making? This is the walking like Jesus thing that brings the reality of the kingdom of God into wherever we are. Well, we used to say mission is across the street or across the sea, and we can add another dimension to that. It's uh, the mission work that we're involved in in our vocation, as you say. It's in our workplace. It's around the water cooler. It's that lunchtime conversation. It's uh, the way that we care for one another when we recognize that People who are in our immediate environment are, in fact, struggling in some way, and we can reach out a hand uh, which is a compassionate hand and one that comes in the name of Jesus. Look, we've run out of time, but the Q Commons is on tomorrow night in Sydney. Now, I don't think uh, people can go. I think it's all sold out as far as I'm aware, Stephen. You, you can't get a ticket to go, can you? Is that, in your, in your estimation, you, you don't know that uh, it is sold out, isn't it? Well, I'm advised that all tickets have been sold. Yes, so, kind of nice. so we're not embarrassing uh, at the same time. We're not able to say uh, you can turn up there at the New South Wales Parliament in the Theatreette, and actually uh, you'd be able to get in. But uh, one quick thing, though, because there is a a view, a vision to expand this, and you mentioned that there's a Q Commons in Brisbane. This is this is something that can spread really to every city, every town, almost uh, as things get underway and some momentum builds. Yeah, I guess, absolutely right. And um, I'm part of an organisation called Christian Media and the Arts Australia. I'm a, a director of that organisation. Um, we, we are sponsoring that event in Sydney and um, we'd like to talk to other states who, who want to run that where it's not already being run. But I think um, if people do want to do something to follow up on some of these ideas, just hop online and have a look at Q Commons. Just as one word, Q, and then the word Commons. Um, just Google that and you'll find this site, this movement, and uh, it could start a conversation with you, which is, um, you know, which is helpful to where you're at at the moment. And uh, for a lot of people who've been listening to the conversation we're having today and discussing the sorts of people who are a part of that, it does take things a little deeper than most people are prepared often to think about or engage with in their regular day-to-day conversations about faith. It does take things to a new level because uh, uh, the level of those people that you've got uh, speaking in the Q Commons are quite significant and uh, able to uh, attack things uh, from a, a different level than what we're usually used 
used to. Uh, great talking to you, Stephen O'Doherty, and you'll be the MC at tomorrow night's Q Commons. I'd like to catch up with you sometime soon too and talk about Christian schools and some things you've got planned for your future as well. But thanks so much for being with us today on 2020. It's always a pleasure, Neil. Thank you. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.